You're listening to the Morphology Podcast. Thanks for tuning in to the Morphology Podcast, aka Murph here, to share interviews about biking experiences from cyclists who have pedaled to places all over the U.S. Each week we will get to know new people and explore new destinations to ride your bike. As you listen to these adventures, you may wonder, why haven't I done that yet? Well, this week is a great interview with Dave Puffer. Dave works at Bike World in Des Moines, and he is on the show this week to talk about his cycling adventure riding the Great Divide. The Great Divide is about 2,800 miles of pedaling from Alberta, Canada, through British Columbia, and then south through Montana, Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and finally through New Mexico, all the way to the Mexico border. Dave's expertise in long-distance cycling tours, along with the help of maps from Adventure Cycling, resources from bikepacking.com, and a book by Michael McCoy called Cycling the Great Divide got him and his friend Gary through 33 days and some of the best scenery he's ever seen. So here's my interview with Dave Puffer. Enjoy. All right. Well, on the show today is Dave Puffer. Hey, Dave. Good morning, Kathy. How you doing? Good. Well, I appreciate you being on the podcast today, and the topic is going to be adventure cycling, and I'm so excited to hear your story. Great. I'm excited to tell it. I've watched videos of you giving a presentation about a recent trip that you did. Let's call it an epic recent trip doing the Great Divide. So I know that I want to catch up on a lot of what happened on that trip and how you did it and what kind of gear you had. But first, um, do you want to give the listeners just a, a, like a high level of where you live and what cycling is like there? Yeah, sure. So my interest in cycling started back uh, in the 80s, early 80s, actually probably late 70s. Mm-hmm. So that give you an idea how old I am. <laughs> Uh, anyways, I kind of grew up with, uh, some of the pioneers of mountain biking, the Keith Bontragers and, and, uh, um, and a lot of the, the people that were really, you know, instrumental in, in bringing kind of the mountain bike and even, uh, outdoors bicycling, um, into the forefront. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then from there I started racing some, uh, and then, uh, you know, always in the back of my mind, I always was kind of the the hiker and camper and, and always thought that I'd like to take a journey across the United States at some point. Mm-hmm. After high school and between uh, college semesters and uh, primarily the summer semester, um, I was on a, a scholarship in college, so I didn't really have to work, which was glorious. Yeah. Um, so between my freshman and sophomore year, I decided I was going to ride my bike across the country because I was kind of poor um, and I uh, couldn't really afford to drive. So I decided the best way of doing that is by bike. And so I got some old um, panniers uh, from a friend uh, and then just headed off. Not really sure exactly where I was going, wow. but I knew I had about two and a half months to do it. So And were you solo? Uh, I was solo. Wow. Yeah. So. The first trip I was living in L.A., so uh, I was kind of uh, half the battle was already won because I was starting on the West Coast and mm-hmm. I knew I was going to go to the East Coast. Um, and so I kind of stayed between the, the 20 and 40 corridors of the interstates and just kind of uh, started riding. Um, this is before you really had GPS sy- systems and I had some state maps, but 
Uh, I wanted to stay off, obviously, off the interstate. So you're just kind of trying to go east. And uh, uh, 2,500 miles later, I was on the east coast, and and then from there, I just had to work my way back. So wow, it was it was glorious. Yeah. And obviously, uh, the bug stayed with you because you are still doing those sorts of adventures when you have time. Yeah, I kind of uh, equate it to I, I, I really feel I was born uh, 30 years too early because <laughs> although I really enjoyed the cycling on pavement, um, this whole new world of bikepacking is really, uh, I think, would be um, where my interest would have laid back then and, and definitely now. So. And you mentioned L.A., but where are you living now? I'm actually in Iowa, so I'm in Des Moines. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I spent most of my adult life uh, in California working. And uh, some 12 years ago, my wife and I decided to move back to the Midwest and uh, set down some roots here. And it's been a nice journey so far. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure listeners know that I also live in Iowa. And I, I have to, we have to brag just a little bit about... Um, what is in Iowa as far as biking, like terrain, because it's not a flat state. Even, you know, people who just drive on Interstate 80 and go through Iowa, there is every kind of terrain you can think of. Of course, we don't have mountains, but we do have elevation and we do have farm roads and we have gravel and mountain biking and, of course, road riding. Yeah, absolutely. This The, the beauty of this uh, state is, yeah, you're, you're saying uh, rolling hills, a lot of gravel roads. Uh, I think if you added up all the miles of gravel roads in Iowa, it far surpassed the paved roads. Right. Um, and so, yeah, that, that's opened up a whole nother world of this gravel biking, and uh, which is kind of parallels uh, bikepacking quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I work for a company that carries treks, and it's been the last uh, four or five years where this whole gravel bike explosion has occurred, and and now it's one of our top sellers. Wow! Yeah, I know. I uh, jumped on that bandwagon, got my first gravel bike this year, and I it's still hard to believe that I can say that because I I would almost say it was within I don't know maybe two years ago if I would see a gravel road, I, my bike would just fall over. Like I just couldn't even understand the dynamics of riding on loose rocks and now that you have the right equipment it's so fun and just the places that you can see exactly yeah the and it, it and the whole another world of with uh, people on pavement roads this uh, distractions you have with texting and driving once if you can get out there in the back roads um, I think it's not only uh, from a adventure standpoint a lot more appealing it's also safer yeah I completely agree with that right so let's get into, um, you have been on quite a few different epic adventures. And when I say epic, I'm talking about not week-long tours, but I'm talking about months on the road with you and your bicycle. Um, I think your most recent one was the Great Divide. Is that true? Correct. Yeah, I kind of fell in love with uh, what I consider bikepacking uh, was there again back in the early Actually, nineteen right, right after the first Gulf War, I did uh, Central America. Back, this is back before bikepacking was uh, even evolving, mm-hmm. um, and I kind of uh, had to because in Central America you have a lot of dirt and roads that are muddy and nasty. And I actually took a mountain bike on that, and mm. 
Um, and it was, it was a wonderful trip. Uh, and, and there again, and I was thought, you know, this in the back of my mind, I always think, you know, why isn't this happening more? Um, and, and I think it was just kind of those evolution things that come about. And yeah, uh, I think it was five years ago. Um, there's a, there's a fantastic, uh, um, company is adventure cycling association mm -hmm. and they started mapping out uh with that you would consider bike packing routes some probably I, I i guess it's probably about 15 years ago now and it's been quite the process um but they've uh people just got in they started mapping out routes with gps's and started doing it and then um, we can benefit from the, all their hard work mm -hmm. is um, just going on their site and downloading the maps and going. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, the hard work is done. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, there's a whole other website now. Um, it's not necessarily new, but it's bikepacking.com. There again, mm -hmm. you've got all these wonderful um, uh, routes, some, you know, long weekend routes, some uh one week routes and some that are epic you know two month routes mm -hmm. so um yeah it's it's just a glorious time to be in that whole bikepacking world and to but add to i was just going to add to that with bikepacking.com they also have like all kinds of uh, videos like youtube videos that you know if you're new to bikepacking which i'm sure most people understand but bikepacking is when you are self-contained so you're bringing everything that you need for a uh, overnight, you know, whether it's tent or hammock or a tarp, but everything is on your bike. Um, Correct. But that yeah. website is so valuable. Actually, both websites that you mentioned. Yeah, the in particular, uh, bikepacking.com, because it's not only a resource for, for mapped routes and everything, but it's also a fantastic resource for equipment, mm -hmm. uh, you know, your gear that you're going to be carrying, types of bikes to to, to use, uh, food to bring, um, watch out for this, watch out for that, mm -hmm. you know, so it's, it's a all inclusive kind of one-stop shopping world, really. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, and then, uh, adventure cycling there again is just, um, they're the kind of the pioneers of all the mapping of mm -hmm. all these different routes. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I've interviewed quite a few people that have used adventure cycling for their, uh, if they're going across the U.S. And the nice thing about those maps is they've been around for decades. So a lot of those towns uh, come to expect seeing cyclists and, you know, staying in churchyards or using restrooms. Correct. Yeah, I would agree with that 100%. Yeah. So you did, um, tell us about Great Divide. Like, what exactly is that? Wow. So the Great Divide is uh, starting up in Al Alberta, Canada, um, and then you kind of traverse uh, into British Columbia, into the States. Uh, the, the, the route itself is, is about 2,800 miles, mm. uh, and you end up in Antelope Wells, New Mexico. Mm. Uh, so you go uh, Alberta to BC and to Montana, um, a little bit of Idaho, Wyoming, Colorado, and New Mexico. Um, and you're following the spine of the Continental Divide the entire time. So, mm. And you're on a bicycle, my, right? This is a yep, bicycle, right? A, <laughs> yep. We were both uh, – I went with my best friend, Gary Hall, uh, and uh, we decided to do it. Um, it was uh, – there was – 
quite a bit of planning involved um logistically there's kind of a challenge because you got to get to canada and his wife was uh gracious enough to take us up there and drop us off mm. and all we had to do is ride to new to the mexico border and mm-hmm. that's where my wife picked us up so uh but in between it it's just uh it's it's an amazing adventure i mean um it's psych i mean you have this wonderful machine uh a bicycle that um you're you're putting your house on it basically and you're and you're riding day to day to some of the most beautiful um scenery in america Mm -hmm. so it's Mm -hmm. it's it's if you if you love uh or if you even like camping and you like uh bicycling um i don't think there's any better thing you can do mm-hmm. and you mentioned it was 2800 miles um how long did that take you to ride uh you know depending on uh you know there's some alternates you can take that are longer uh, i think we rode for 33 days mm. uh we were kind of in a time crunch with work and life uh so um we basically doubled up the days of what uh what they call for it's kind of mapped out on a 70 day uh route oh my there's a there's an incredible i i consider it the bible of the writing the great divide it's a it's a book by michael mccoy and i think it's 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 as essential um, as the maps are. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just a wonderful resource. Um, he goes into different towns, what to expect, uh, oh. you know, what you might want to be. He gets you set up for each day um, on if it's going to be a hard day, if it's going to be easy day, uh, what to expect, what things to look for. Um, you have to go through a gate uh, <laughs> and make sure you close it behind you. <laughs> Wildlife, uh, camping, uh, make sure you bring enough water for the next four days because there is none. Oh, my gosh. Uh, so it's just the probably the, like I would literally consider it the Bible of, of cycling the Great Divide. Right, right. And to be able to read ahead what, what your next day is going to be like, that's yeah, that's pretty nice to have. Wow, and I, and there's probably some other resources out there, but I found his um, about as as spot on as uh, anything. So yeah, do you have a few like favorite moments that you have top of mind? Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, part of it is just the scenery, um, and that's the beauty of of bike packing is because you never know what's around the next turn. You don't ever know what's around up over the next hill or next uh, divide crossing. Um, So it's all just a huge adventure. Uh, You know, we were, we were, um, part of it was uh, stressful. Uh, We were going later in the year. um, And so we knew there were some storms chasing us out of the West. Mm. So we were knew we were going to get snowed on. We just didn't know how much. Um, So that adds a little bit of intrigue to the whole adventure. Um, but yeah, you know, if anywhere from running into a bull moose where you're having oh. a standoff in the Jeez. middle of the trail and wondering what he's going to do, and maybe he's wondering what we're going to do, and um, and to you know these wonderful glacial lakes that you're finding in Montana and Wyoming, and um, the 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 basin of Wyoming is incredible where you're high desert and you're surrounded by wild horses and mm. and pronghorn antelope um of course we all know colorado's it's glorious scenery uh and then new mexico's got the gila mountains and the desert so 
I mean, it, it's it's I think it's got everything that America can offer mm-hmm. um, in 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 a trip, and and then maybe then some more that's um, things you wouldn't ever expect to see, and you got these memories in your in the mind probably forever right. um, of this. Just, I think if I had to pinpoint um, any one particular area that was um, absolutely glorious would be. Uh, the basin of Wyoming, I thought was just amazing. The sunsets and the open, the vastness of it and uh, the Gila mountain range in New Mexico, you would never expect these, these majestic uh, forests in New Mexico, but they are there. Mm-hmm. So what goes along with beautiful scenery and mountains is um, interesting terrain. So give us an idea of what, Maybe a typical, there probably wasn't a typical day, but I mean, are you talking major elevation? Are you actually biking through these mountains or are you finding secret paths that <laughs> keep you flat? Yeah, we, we rode, rode, rode the map, um, the route itself that's, uh, you know, from venture cycling. And, mm-hmm. and uh, so you're, I, I guess to equate it, we were doubling up the, the miles that they'd call for. So um, instead of one pass a day, we were typically doing two passes. So climbing um you know probably you know six to ten thousand feet per day uh of climbing i think the whole route itself is about one hundred ninety thousand feet of elevation change (laughs) um but you know i it's not you know and and a lot of people get get caught up in the climbing part of it um you know i always it's not flat um there's a lot of hills and everything but like you were saying there's no mountains to train on so i i think an important thing to remember is that if you're if you're in in a good um i just say physical shape Mm -hmm. if you got a good base of cycling anybody can do this route Mm -hmm. there's there's nothing technical about it i mean you're on secondary forest roads um, you're, you're climbing a lot, but, um, I, you find that you actually, you ride yourself into shape. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. you can be, you can have a good base going, but you get used to climbing those days and, and you got to consider, you know, you got a full day of doing it. So you got, you know, good eight to 10 hours of cycling a day. So there's no reason why you can't take breaks. And, mm-hmm. um, and, and that's not saying that it's easy because it's, there's, it's not, but it's completely doable. Mm-hmm. I mean, especially if you do the 70 days, um, I, in, in a lot of ways, I wish we had that kind of time because I think, you know, when you're pushed for time, you don't take the time that you really want to, to really enjoy the areas you're in. Sure. And I think a lot of it, too, has to do with um, your bicycle choice. So do you want to give us a highlight of what bike you had? And Yeah, so I, uh, I the first route I did was, I guess going back, I, I've used treks in the past for some of my tours and stuff. And this, this, uh, on the continental divide, I used a salsa Fargo, mm. um, cause going back, uh, you know, the, was it five years ago? Um, this is kind of, uh, it was the kind of one name out there salsa that really made, a uh, a dedicated bikepacking bike. Mm-hmm. Um, since then truck has come out with an 1120 and, and specializes got theirs and, um, but, uh, you know, it was kind of like the go-to bike, um, and it was wonderful. I mean, it was, I, I had a triple chain ring up front, which I was glad I had, uh, because I'm 
old and I like that grinding gear. It's just <laughs> to spin up the, you know, after you've been pedaling uphill for three and four hours, it's nice to drop down into a low gear and kind of spin your way up the mm-hmm. rest of it. Um, I know the mo- more modern bikes now have a single up front um, chain ring. And uh, I don't know. I you know, there's people there's people that have done the Continental Divide on a single speed. Uh, so uh, it's it's completely doable with most bikes. I think more important is um, being being able to carry your house on your bike. Mm-hmm. So having eyelets for racks and uh, there's a whole new world of dry bags and and seat bags and frame bags and handlebar bags and mm-hmm. um, you know fork bags and so the it's a nice world to be in now um for bikepacking because all these companies have made things um, mm-hmm. that strap onto your bike without needing racks and all these other things so mm-hmm. and you know the the bike is definitely important but like you said you have to remember that you're carrying your house on that bike plus your body so um do you do you, do you ever weigh your bike yeah, so the the bike itself uh, was about 28 pounds, and then the gear added another, uh, just the gear dry without any fluid or water um, was another 25 pounds. So, you, you know, you consider you're, you're already 50-something pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember one point in New Mexico, we were carrying about 11 liters of water. So Whoa. you had another 30, almost 30 pounds of fluid on top of it. So yeah, you're, you're, you're packed down. So yeah, you have to have strong wheels. Um, a lot of that loads being pushed to the, to the rim. So mm-hmm. a good, I think, uh, as important as the componentry on the bike are, is a good set of wheels that can carry that load without, um, breaking spokes and, and being stuck in the middle of nowhere. Mm-hmm. Um, any uh, like tips on gear choices? You know, you mentioned dry bags, which is probably super, super important. But did you go for super lightweight tents and clothing and sleeping bags? Yes, <laughs> to all. <laughs> uh, yeah, back when, so the, there again, um, you know, the last five years has just been instrumental and in new companies coming out with all this bike packing gear. But mm-hmm. um, when I, when I was getting ready for it, I, I spent a year kind of planning for it. Um, the company, the go-to company was Revelate Designs. Uh, and they had, they made kind of everything. They had the seat bags, the frame bags, mm-hmm. the handlebar bags, and um, since then, there's a number of smaller uh, niche companies out there that have uh, come up with what I consider um, fantastic designs and quality. And I think uh, quality is uh, if you're going to spend as much on your equipment as you do on a good bike. Yeah, so that's true. Be be prepared for that. So, uh, yeah, and you're always trying to cut out grams um, and ounces everywhere, uh, you know, uh, uh, sleeping bags. I mean, sleeping bags can range anywhere from under a pound to five pounds. And mm-hmm. then not the cons- not else to consider is the, the bulkiness of them. So you want something that's packable. Um, wool is a wonderful uh, uh, part of the all of the equipment from mm-hmm. base layers, uh, you know, shorts and underwear and tights and jerseys and socks. Uh 
Uh, it just it wicks away moisture very well. So when you're hot, it kind of helps keep you a little bit cooler. And then when it's cold, it helps keep your warmth in it and it dries well. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, so don't, yeah, I, I think if I could give any kind of advice um, is don't skimp, skimp on gear because it can literally save your life. Mm -hmm. yeah. A quick interruption to tell you this week's podcast is sponsored by Lizard Lips Lip Balm. These great lip balms contain natural ingredients, come in a variety of flavors, and you can choose certified organic or balms with sun protection. Check it out at lizardlips.net. Now back to the show. And I'm assuming that you are seeing all kinds of climate as far as, you know, the time of year you were there, it sounds like there was a, an op opportunity for snow. But then if you're ending in New Mexico, I'm guessing you experienced some heat as well. Yeah, there was uh, nights where we were waking up in the in the single digits. Um, when we were, I remember up in, um, in BC, uh, it was single digits overnight. And then, uh, when we're in the higher elevations of Montana, we got uh, snowed on quite a bit. Mm. Um, so, yeah, and then, yeah, to answer your question about New Mexico, yeah, 100-plus degrees in the baking sun where there's no no shade, none. Mm -hmm. I mean, so, yeah, you have to you have to be prepared for all that. that, that uh, and then the other big thing is there's times where you're not going to see another town for three and four days. Yeah, so. Yeah. Uh, you have to be prepared. Um, food is obviously you. Uh, the beauty of the Continental Divide is that you eat as much as you possibly can eat or want to eat um, because you're not going to gain any weight. You're still going to lose weight mm -hmm. on the trip. You mm -hmm. just cannot take enough calories in. Sure. Um, to to sustain your weight, probably when you left, um, if you if you're pushing hard. Which you were, if you were doing double double days, yeah. yeah. Um, then the hard part is figuring out um, food that's going to give you energy, but doesn't weigh too much. Right. Yeah. yeah we we we'd survived on freeze dried food for dinners, mm. uh, and two two you know hungry guys. You know, uh, in the back of your mind, you're you're when you're portioning out food, it's like I'm going to try to get an extra couple ounces that he doesn't get. <laughs> <laughs> And you're, you're, when you're riding through the day, it's like, how many cliff bars do I have? Uh, maybe I can hide one from Gary, you know? And, and, uh, so yeah, it's some of that, uh, the natural, uh, um, survival skills come into play. And even though you love your, your brother, you're riding with, yeah. um, you're still in the back of your mind is thinking, God, am I going to run out of food or worse? Am I going to run out of water? So, right, right. Um, and that, and that brings up a whole nother conversation of if, if you're doing a kind of a, a, a you know, what I consider an epic ride like this, if you're going to go with somebody, which I strongly suggest you do because going, um, uh, going about by yourself on something like that, I, I wouldn't necessarily advise. Um, you have to really like that person. There's, there's times where you're tired and you're, you're hungry and you're grumpy and you don't know what's around the next turn. And, uh, if, if you, uh, it's, I guess it's easy to, uh, to blow a gasket and get um, upset with the person if you don't really enjoy their company. Sure, sure. Um, and that was that kind of goes to my next question, which, you know, you were um, either stuck or with Gary nonstop every single day. But how about interacting with other people? Like, would you go days and days without seeing another person or town? Yeah, there's um, typically not any days you would without because you're when you're 
up high if you're in the Wind River Range and you know you're not going to be in a real town for the next couple of days. Mm-hmm. You still run across the uh, hunter. It was hunting season, so uh, running across some hunters and um, sometimes uh, some other hikers. And there seems to be outposts here and there where mm-hmm. there are people. Um, but you know that that's another part of the whole experience is um, not only the scenery and the majesty of the of the country. Uh, but it's also the people you meet along the way. Mm-hmm. It's um, when you're when you're beat up and tired of being backcountry in the mountains for the last three days, and you come into a town. Um, I'm sure you're not only looking pretty haggard, but you're feeling pretty haggard, mm-hmm. and people want to hear what you're doing. They want to listen to your story so far, and and uh, and you know, people are good. I mean, people they want to take you in. Uh, I remember. Um, coming into the base of the Teton Mountains, and we ran across a couple um, who we had been rained and snowed on, and we were muddy and dirty and hungry, and we just were asking them, um, you know, where a good place to eat was, and they insisted we came back to stay with them, and um, they were up at five o'clock the next morning making us a five-course meal to get wow. us on our way, and. And so, yeah, stuff like that. We were mm-hmm. Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and the guy brought us, wanted us to stay with him. And um, next morning, he had left us a bag of, of uh, socks and a couple of shirts and stuff. And he was one of the um, one of the executives at Smart Wool. So, you know, it's just things like that that you 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 know, people are is is part of the journey. Mm-hmm. And, um, as far as, you know, you mentioned sometimes you got to stay at people's homes, but um, like for me, when I'm on a multi-day tour, which, you know, I'm not as roughing it as you were on this trip, but for me, staying warm and staying dry are huge. Um, you know, not probably not more about the safety of hypothermia because I'm not in a condition or a place where I'm nervous about that, but just comfort level. So any points on that yeah uh yeah we, you think you're prepared sometimes and when you're being snowed and sleeted on for hours at a time um i had some very top end uh gore-tex shell that um would actually you know it bled through and you're thinking the last thing that thing is going to do is bleed through so yeah. uh we we um we were in uh, Colorado, and we went to a uh, outdoor store, and we both got a second Gore-Tex shell to go over our main one, just wow. because it was bleeding through. And you're right, you know, you're you're pushing really hard, but uh, you know, you you can still risk the chain the chance of uh, being hypothermic. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, even though you're working really hard, and and obviously when you stop, you're in the middle of nowhere, and getting dry is 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 super important. So right. it. I think one of the main things to remember from that um, is that you you bring very high quality dry bags and whatever you do, it doesn't matter how cold you are when you're riding, you keep at least one base layer of dry stuff. Mm. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. That's for night. That's for climbing in your sleeping bag when Mm -hmm. it's 15 degrees out and you know you're going to be dry. Yeah. That's a great great tip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, as far as the elements, is there anything that beats you up mentally? Like, oh my gosh, this is happening again today. 
Yeah, yeah. It, it's a wonderful world to be back there, but you have to be prepared for the being off-road. I mean, washboard roads. I remember you're so sick of washboard roads where you can't get on the edge of the road enough to where you're out of it, and it just pounds you for hundreds of miles at mm. a time. And um, I remember a, you don't really notice, but when I go back to work uh, – um, my one of my coworkers said, "Look at your forearms," and I, you know, look at him, and he's like, "Yeah, they're huge." <laughs> <laughs> and it's right. It's just like you're you're working those muscles so hard that it's got bigger. Right? And so, uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, you, and and then the mud is another huge consideration. There's um, some of those areas the mud just just gets sucked up into your derailers and you know people want to push through it but you got to be careful mm-hmm. you, you just got to take the time to clean all that stuff out of your pulleys and your and your chain rings and um and between the frame because you can you destroy your your drivetrain and then you're really stuck right yeah right so yeah all that stuff is a consideration you're you're trying to make it to the next town and or the next campsite and but you have to take the time to clean all that stuff out before you get in real trouble. Mm-hmm. Well, and speaking of real trouble, did you have any uh, mishaps that are worth mentioning? Oh, not really. We were, we, we were really lucky. Um, when it was all said and done with the weather, we got snowed on a few times, but it was never more than that two inch to three inch snow. And, um, and, uh, weather-wise, uh, you know, thunderstorms were, you know, you're pushing through some big thunderstorms mm-hmm. and, uh, we didn't get hit too hard with those. Uh, I, I, I do remember one time where I, my, um, I consider myself the weak link of our tour and, and my buddy is, I, I would consider the real mountain man and do it all, um, person. And we were riding and I just, I was tired. I looked at him. He looked tired, and I just asked him what he was thinking, and and uh, he gave me kind of a blank stare and said, "You know what? I think I think we're done because <laughs> <laughs> we were running from a storm right, that was coming out of Washington, and and uh, and then it wasn't five minutes later he blew a tire, mm. and there was sealant all over my face because I was dragging behind him, and. And we got to uh, this national park that was closed, and um, we set our tent up in one of the overhangs of an outhouse. And yeah, that was probably the low point, I would say. We were cold and wet and hungry, and he had a blown tire. And and I'm thinking that, well, shoot, if Gary's worried about this, maybe I should be worried about right, this too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and we still had, you know, uh, you know have to drop to do so um so yeah you don't day to day it's all a new adventure and mm-hmm. you had you take the highs with the lows and uh when we we're in new mexico and we had we were baked it was 100 degrees plus and there's there is no cut you know um shelter there is no trees to you know stay out of the sun with and mm-hmm. there's these incredible people um that they um uh, they're kind of like trail angels, they call them, where they leave water out. They know it's it's on the route of the of the divide, and they leave these um, usually totes of they fill up every day or whenever they need to of gallons of water. Wow! 
um, and they'll leave, you know, crackers and peanut butter and all these things in there. And, 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 um, those are vital. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, you, you, you're just, you're going through several liters of water a day or, you know, and then to find them on the side of the road and, you know, fill up and leave them a few bucks for the next group, uh, mm-hmm. is essential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So trail angels are exactly that. They're trail angels. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, I never even asked, but I'm assuming you succeeded in completing this adventure. Yeah, we we finished up and we finished with. Uh, and another great thing is you do run across others that are doing it. Oh, yeah. um, it's getting more popular that are people are going south and north. Uh, and uh, psychologically, it doesn't sound like a good idea to me because um, I think you're going uphill all the time, <laughs> going north. <laughs> but it's it's usually it's about the same elevation change right. regardless of which way you go. Uh, um, no, we we ended up riding with uh, a couple out of Indiana that were fantastic, um, and then we picked up an Italian guy, Renato, um, who we rode with uh, probably 12 days, the last 12 days, and a girl from the netherlands that um rose who finished she she got uh heat heat exhaustion and had to go to the hospital for a few days but she mm. met back up with us four days later and so we finished as a group oh, um, fun. yeah so and then you learn their stories and learn about their lives and you camp with them and and uh yeah it's just it's just an amazing journey all all in all mm-hmm um, looking at, you know, overall the epic adventure, um, any pro tips, you know, that you would pass along, like must bring items or must do things or, you know, you mentioned wool, which I think is a huge tip because wool is so lightweight and packs really compact. And then, you know, with the whole being wet, wool is good. Any other pro tips? Yeah, the I mean... Um, everybody has their own idea of food. Uh, I, 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 even though you get sick of freeze dried dinners, they, they, they pack a lot of calories. Um, it'll keep you going. Uh, uh, and they, they're extremely lightweight. So they're not, they don't pack the best, but they, mm-hmm. they're really light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, uh, I think, uh, you know, just very good gear. I think that's, if, if you're going to be riding, if there's, you know, during the season with a chance of snow or, you know, it's good, you're going to be baking. Um, just um, make sure you have all your ducks in a row. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, I, I, I carried diff- extra screws. Um, you know, if you if you break pads, uh, you know, obviously if you get flats, um, I, you know, I think I'm pretty well prepared and I'm a pretty, pretty decent mechanic myself. And but some unseen things, like I was running tubeless and a rock kicked up and broke my valve off. Well, oh. goodness gracious, oh, what do you do from there? Um, so carry extra valves if you're running tubeless, you know, extra sealants. Um, uh, you can cut a tire, so bring an extra tire. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then other things, like if you get really in a jam, I mean, like chain ring bolts. Um, uh, obviously, you know, all your tools to fix flats and and a lube and all these other things that come along. You're, you're always going to be running into bike shops here and there, but sometimes you have three, you know, hundred miles before you're at the next bike shop. Mm. And, and that's if they're open, mm-hmm. you know, if you're on the weekend or, um, but I, I think, uh, when it's all said and done, um, follow the, um, there again, the bikepacking.com is a great resource for, 
breaking down what you, what you should have and maybe what's not necessary. I mean, you know, the, you, you don't have to, you know, carry five ball caps or with you, you know, for mm. one for each day, <laughs> right. you know, you, you want to keep it simple, but be, be prepared. Um, yeah, some kind of very good, you know, raincoat is essential. Mm-hmm. A good helmet, I think, is essential. Uh, um, you know, wool and base layers and, and a good pair of cycling shorts and just kind of common sense things. Mm-hmm. Um, but they can make the difference between, a you know, a, a horrible trip and a, and a, and a great trip. Mm-hmm. And, um, of course, you mentioned you were doing a a route that's already been established through adventure cycling. Um, if this is probably a silly question, but you know, obviously you didn't have electricity very often. So were right. you using some sort of GPS device or were you good old school paper maps? Yeah, we, I had a GPS. I used it a few times. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and we, <laughs> so the m- big mistake we did make was second guessing the maps. The, the, uh, we ordered all the maps for, through adventure cycling and they're extremely detailed. Um, it's got all the topography, uh, it's got all the elevation change. It's got all the routes and there's a lot of disclaimers in there that tell you to watch out for, you know, this crossing and mm. make sure, um, you go through this gate. And if you've gotten, if you missed the gate and you've gotten to this point, you've gone too far, you have to backtrack. And it, and it's, the maps are really good about, um, uh, describing that if you're coming into an area, that is questionable on, oh, sure. you know, especially if you're in a, um, a lot of times you're going into state parks or national parks and, you know, there's, uh, um, you, you got to make sure you take the right turn. So we made the mistake of second guessing the maps and then, um, going off track, maybe 15, 20 miles oh, and man. then using the GPS to get back on track. But for the most part, we were uh, old school physical maps, mm-hmm. um, with, uh, with a GPS on hand, um, and did use it a couple of times. I think if you're going to go solo, um, the, uh, probably an essential part of the equipment would be is getting a spot tracker. Um, so the loved ones at home, um, can follow you. Mm-hmm. And if you're, if your spot hasn't, uh, moved in a couple of days, then they at least know where you're at and mm-hmm. maybe you're in trouble of some kind. Yeah. That's a good tip. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have any trips in your future? Yeah. Uh, so the next trip, uh, I, I plan on doing is, uh, it's, it's, it's been mapped out the last, I guess it's going on year three now, but two years complete. Um, it's called the wild, wild west. Mm. And that's going to be essentially the continental divide just a little bit further west. Uh, so it starts up in Rooseville, um, right on the border. It's, it's all us. It's not Canada, but same distance, uh, you kind of start in Montana and then swing into Idaho, do the whole panhandle, um, and then go into uh, Utah and then Arizona. So uh, different states, but you're um, still about 2,900 miles, mm. about 180,000 feet of climbing. And uh, you're actually in more national forest on that route as you are um, in the Continental Divide. Oh, okay. And is that also adventure cycling map? Yeah, so that's on Venture Cycling, and it's also on uh, Bikepacking.com now. Oh, okay. So you okay. can check that out. Yeah. And that's and that's a whole other thing is that there's so many bikepacking routes, long weekends um, that are close to here. Mm-hmm. I mean, 
you got, uh, you, you know, up in Minnesota, you got the uh, straddle and paddle, you got Chicomagan in, in Wisconsin, you got South Dakota. So there's, there's a lot of, um, you know, places just right on here. You can do some bike packing. Yeah. And we could probably talk hours about just the scenery and the beauty in each of those locations. Like everything's oh, so different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did the paddle and straddle last fall and, um, it's just a 180 mile loop. So you park your car at Temper State Park. Um, and they used to, uh, you know, uh, you know, three day ride, 60 miles each day. It's flat as flat can be. So if you're, there's part of getting in the bikepacking is, um, you know, you, you, you kind of want to get out and do what they call 24 hours, uh, rides where you do an overnight or somewhere and see what works for mm-hmm. you, see what doesn't work. If you, what kind of stove you might want, um, what kind of food you like doing, what's simple, uh, you know, and, and, and get, do some shakedown cruises before you do something epic. And mm-hmm. the, the paddle and straddles to me is perfect because, two nights um you know on the route and then you finish the day going uh you know through some long lake superior it's just absolutely beautiful um you go through grand marais where you can stop and have a uh, a good lunch and some a nice cold one if you want and mm-hmm. and uh yeah it's just i think it's the perfect you know long weekend route to get ready for something bigger mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm um, and back to your Wild Wild West adventure, is that coming up in the next couple of years or this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be um, this year. I plan on going. To, I'm I'm taking off uh, next month, and I'm doing what I consider uh, some of the best mountain bike routes uh, along five states. I'm going to do Northern California, Oregon, um, some Idaho, uh, Utah and Arizona. Mm. And that's just going to be like day mountain biking, um, kind of higher elevation mm-hmm. routes and, um, uh, just check out some true mountain biking. And then hopefully next year will be the, um, wild, wild west. Nice. Well, um, to end it out, any sort of like, you know, what's the key in your opinion or good advice to give somebody, um, who's considering doing long distance cycling? Yeah. Uh, I, I think a part of the whole thing is a good support mechanism. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, you know, work, uh, I've, I'm blessed to have bike world allow me the time to do trips like this. Uh, I have a wonderful wife that's, that's willing to hold down the Ford and take care of all the necessities while I'm gone playing. And, and, uh, the, I think as long as you have all those things um, going for you, then do it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's it's just a wonderful place to go. It's um, especially in, in today's world, not get on the whole political wagon, but, you know, we, we're living in kind of funky times right now. And boy, if you can take the time to do something like that, mm-hmm. just to get out and enjoy some of the country, um, do it. Yeah, don't put it on the back burner. Uh, just a short note on that is like I, I, you know, when the whole kind of divide thing came up, I was just kind of, you know, half kidding to my buddy, talking to him and saying, "Hey, you know, put let's put the continental divide on the back burner mm-hmm. and maybe plan to do it." And he, he's like, "Well, hell with that. Let's put it on the front burner and do it." <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, crap, what did I just get myself into? <laughs> but looking so, back, yeah. aren't you so glad that you did? Yeah. 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 And it's, 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 it's just one of those magical things. It's, uh, I mean, <laughs> some people call it life-changing. Um, 
yeah, it's just one of those, it's, it's definitely a bucket list, bucket list thing to do. Yeah. Um, I have several customers that have done it, uh, since I've done it, just maybe spurning them on a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I think they are, uh, unanimously, they just, they're, there's nothing they would have changed about it. And they're, um, yeah, there's no regrets whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and we never really did, so we need to give a plug out to Bike World because that's uh, your employer. Um, but one of my favorite bike shops, you guys have built a couple of my bikes for me. So shout out to Bike World. Yeah, yeah, they're um, it's an amazing company. I'm there again. I'm blessed to have a good company to work for, and just uh, for Forrest to give me the, the latitude to take on these crazy things, and not only you know, take it on, but encourage it, mm-hmm. um, is something you don't see very often in, in, in corporations or in businesses anymore. Yeah. Like I said, if you don't have that, that support mechanism of work and, and home life, you know, um, family, you know, wives that, I mean, it's, it's a lot for them to take a lot of extra for them to take on mm-hmm. without, um, you know, being selfless about all these things. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So if you have, if you have those things going for you, then take full advantage of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, I do know you can go to the Bike World Facebook page and find um, at least one video that was recorded of you talking about the Great Divide. But do you have like a any place where people can follow you? Uh, I think from the Continental Divide standpoint, I, there should be on the Facebook, Bike World's Facebook, I think it's called Dave's uh, Great Adventure. Mm, cool. <laughs> um, there's there's a lot of pictures on there, and mm-hmm. I kind of give brief descriptions of where we're at and what we're looking at and what we're doing. And, um, you know, it's uh, I try to take, you know, nice scenic pictures of everything, and I think that's still active on our site as well. Awesome. Uh, anything you want to plug? Yeah, just a sh- shout out to everybody who, you know, helps with the cause and, and is encouraging and beautiful wife and best friends and, and businesses. Yeah, just, uh, um, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't have done it without their support and their help. And hopefully it continues in the future. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to your future adventures just so that I can check them out and see if I'm going to add them to my bucket list. Yeah, do it. I mean, there again, it's, uh, I, I always figure we got this one trip around the block. Let's take full advantage of it. Yeah, yeah. Well, Dave, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Yeah, and thank you for inviting me on and uh, hope I hear from you soon. Well, that's it for this week. Thank you, Dave, for taking the time to chat. Sounds like the Great Divide should be on the bucket list of any cyclist interested in long-distance adventure. Dave described it so well. The wildlife, the scenery, and the great people he met made for an unforgettable adventure. As Dave said, the Great Divide provides a bit of everything America can offer and then some more. If you have a topic or name of a cyclist you find interesting, email me at morphologypodcast.com. You can go to morphologypodcast.com to find all kinds of good info. I also launched a YouTube channel, so if you want to see videos of some of the places I bike, check that out. I'll leave you with this quote from the unwritten book of morphology. This quote is from today's guest, Dave Puffer. Keep it simple, but be prepared. Think about it.